Vex Network. This is Dumb for Love, a twice-monthly podcast celebrating hope, heartache, and the ridiculous lengths humans will go to in the name of love. What's the dumbest thing you've done for love? Hey everyone, this is Jean Morrison, your host of Dumb for Love. This month, we're going to be doing something a little different to help bring awareness to Domestic Violence Awareness Month. We're going to dedicate this episode and the following episode to uplifting the voices of those who want to share their stories. So know that while this first one starts one way, it ends very differently. Both of these episodes are obviously going to be very personal with very heavy topics for our guests. And we ask that if you can, please listen to them both for a deeper understanding of victims of abuse and to give yourself a clearer view of signs you or a loved one may need to look out for. That said, if you think you can't make it through these episodes or need to take a little break for whatever personal reasons you may have, we want you to know that we respect you and understand entirely. Thank you for listening. We want your music on our show. If you'd like to be featured on an episode and added to our Dump for Love Spotify playlist, we'd love to have you. All genres are welcome, so feel free to go to our website for details. Have something you want to get off your chest? Here's how you can be on our show. Dump for Love Quickies. Dump for Love Quickies are a fast, easy, and anonymous way to share your story. You can leave us a voicemail or just send in an email for us to read for you on the air. Just go to the Tell Us Your Story section on the website and you too can have a tasty, tasty catharsis. Don't forget to follow us on social media via at Dumb for Love. We are on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, Tumblr, YouTube, and of course, SoundCloud. You can also buy us a cup of tea by listening to us on Radio Public, where each play gives us some change to buy a nice cup of green tea. I also want to take the time to thank all of you for the special messages we've been receiving in support of the show. We love making it, and it makes us feel great to know you love hearing it. Now enjoy the ride. Let's get on with the show. Hello, all. I would like to welcome today my special guest, Yolanda, coming to us all the way from Miami. How are you doing today, Yolanda? Good, and you? I'm amazing, and I'm super psyched that I get to talk to you. And so if you had to title the story you're about to tell me, what would it be? The Spawn of Satan. The Spawn I mean, of Satan. I that's literally his name. <laughs> all right, let's hear it, just because I have to know it. Let me help cleanse you of this Spawn of Satan. <laughs> as, as, I, as I see. Let me get him out. Heal. Heal you on this show. Take away this Satan from your life. <laughs> he was, oh my God, he was so fucking terrible. Okay, so I worked at Vitas and it was a big building. On the fourth floor was a gym. They also had the state attorney's office. So he worked first at the gym and that's where I met him. Did he have a name or are you huh? just going to call him Satan? Spawn of Satan, that's what I've been calling him, but we'll call him Terrell. Okay. Terrell the Terrible. <laughs> that's even a better name. Okay. So he worked at a gym and you met him. Yeah, he was nice. And for the first three months, he was nice. He was cool. He was tall. He was chocolate. He was a good, good, good in bed motherfucker. And I was dick whipped and I had his representative, you know? You know, those three months where you're meeting the representative. Oh, yeah. I was with the representative <laughs> and I liked the representative. <laughs> it, was, it was a good representative. <laughs> Real good. Oh, <laughs> I liked his representative. <laughs> okay. Okay. So this representative was Month good. four. That's when I'm like, oh, this is a little odd. And little clicky things started happening. Like, oh my God. 
I don't even know what happened in month four, but I know it was month four when I was like, the representative is leaving the building. Why is it it always three months? Like three months is like the cap and then everything falls apart. Yes. Right. And you're right. (laughs) That is the cap. Like, were you dating, dating? Like, was he your boyfriend or were you just seeing each other and fucking? No, dating, dating. He was my boyfriend. Okay. Okay. And I know it was the first clue. He got very jealous. He was a very jealous guy. Did not know that. And mind you, he had dated other girls, like either from the gym or from Mm -hmm. the state attorney's office or the attorney's office that were in the building. But, you know, it was very bohemian, very hippie. I was like, I don't really care. People have a life before you. It was all good. Everything was just cool. Right. Maybe some, a little bit of ex-girlfriend drama, but nothing that ever bothered me. Like ever ever bothered me. I was like, whatever. Then jealousy starts happening. But like jealousy on weird things. Like he had a couple friends over, girls and boys. We're all hanging out. I'm sitting on his beanbag. It's freezing in his apartment complex. A friend of his asked for a blanket because he was cold. And I was like, yeah, dude. I was like, pretty soon I'm going to get under that blanket too because it's cold. He was pissed. Like, why are you saying you're going to get under the blanket with one of my boys? And I was like, because it's cold. And he's like, why can't you just ask for another motherfucking blanket instead of getting underneath the blanket with my boy? And his friend is even like, yo, dog, I don't think she was talking like that. And I was like, I didn't think anything of it. But then one of the girls was like, yeah, that's kind of disrespectful to your man. What? Okay. Right. I was like, fuck you, Janice. Nobody okay. asked you. Shut up in the corner. Like, <laughs> <laughs> don't give your two cents. I was like, that was weird. Wow. Mm-hmm. So that was like the first sign of jealousy. And then he started getting jealous of my boss, who's 52. Now, when someone's 52 and you're 23, mm-hmm. they're very much older than you. Yeah. Like, it is a huge gap. So he was jealous of my boss, thinking that I wanted to sleep with my 52-year-old boss, who to me looks 73. Where did he even get that idea? Like, I'm seeing that he's just kind of like pulling things from his own bullshit, but what made him zero in on your boss specifically? Well, we were good friends, but he had like a couple of people that he really enjoyed and liked. He moved me from the receptionist and he was like, hey, you know what? You should try and get this position that's opening up in HR. I think you would be really good at it because I don't think, you know, using your full potential here. And I was like, okay. I applied for it. I got it. There was like some kind of conference that we had to go to, to the new people who joined HR. It was New York. He went with us and yes, it did turn out that Jay did have a little bit of a crush, but he wasn't moving on it. He took like the whole team out to dinner and then like, you know, we came back like it was like a two or three day conference. We came back. So I guess since your boss was paying extra attention to you, he just kind of focused on him. So is there like anything else? He was like, you dated white guys. You like white guys. And I was like, but that guy's like 73. Then he tried to keep me away from my family, tried to keep me away from my friends. Controlling. Yes. And you don't notice it because it's little things. Yeah. It's like death by paper cuts. It's very small. So you don't really see it. And then when you look back, you're like, shit, they started a while back. A while back. And you don't even know. Like, I remember after we broke up, I was like, well, you know how Tara was. And they were like, no. And this was my best friend. She's like, I never met him. And I was like, how did you never meet him? She was like, I saw him once far away, but you never talked about him. I was like, I never talked about me. Not talk about somebody. Weird. What kind of things did he do to keep you away from your friends and family? He would say things like, oh, you know, your family doesn't really like me. 
they're not used to you dating a black guy, which was total BS. Um, then I started thinking maybe my family doesn't like him. But mm. the reason my family didn't like him was because they could see what was happening, but I could not see what was happening. So my family was always protecting me. So did he ask you not to talk to them? He would cause drama between us. So I would separate him from my friends and family. Manipulating you. Right, exactly. And it was just such, I remember like so many, like on an accident, like I crashed his car, not on purpose. Like I gave it a dent. Well, I would hope you wouldn't crash his car on purpose. (laughs) I did a lot of shit on purpose. Right, right. I started getting sick of his shit. Right. And he would tell me like, you know, your sister doesn't like me. I can tell, listen to what she says. If we have plans, like she wants to do something else. Like we were going to watch the NBA and said, you guys are going to go and watch some other stupid show. And that was the total opposite. Like my sister, it was like Christmas or my birthday and he didn't have a present for me. She went out and she bought me a present and gave it to him and said, just just tell her it's from you. Just tell her it's from you. Because my sister's very like giving like that. Wow. I didn't find that out until after we broke up. I would buy him lavish gifts and he would buy me things that weren't equal. But I had this one friend who was like, why are you buying him like something that costs 150 bucks, which back then was a lot. Mm -hmm. And he's giving you something that's about 50 bucks or 20 bucks. And I was Mm -hmm. like, I don't know, because I guess he doesn't have the money. I live with my folks. She was like, no, bitch. What? But (laughs) he he cut my hair. What? Yeah, he chopped off my hair. Okay, let's hold on to that for one second. So before you get to the breakup and him cutting your hair, and I want to know what the fuck that's even about, what did he do in the in-between that warranted him to be called the spawn of Satan? Like, what was too much for you that made it a lot to handle? This is like a fucking R. Kelly story, I'm telling you. Like, his jealousy was really bad. I would work for Habitat for Humanity. Mm -hmm. There was this guy, he was like kind of like a preacher. Mm -hmm. I think it was sad, and I didn't know it was sad. And I would hang out with him and his friends. He was like, you know, come and hang out with us. We're just all going together and have pizza. And I wrote him a note, and I didn't give it to him. Carol found it, and the note basically said, you know, I kind of feel lost. I kind of feel like there's a clarity that I'm supposed to be getting, but I'm not getting And when I come back home, because at that time, Terrell and I did move in together, I feel in the dark again. There's something that's wrong. And he found it. He's like, you like this guy? Are you fucking this guy? And I was like, no. And we were supposed to go out like to a concert or something like that that night. And we were in the car and we're having this argument. And he's like, you fucking better tell me right now or I'm going to drop you off. Guys drinking on the corner. And I'm going to have them fucking rape you. Oh, my God. Yeah, it was horrible. I was like so scared. You don't know what to do. You can't do it. When I finally told like my husband this, he was like, you should have let him. Those guys would have seen what an asshole he was with you. And they would have most likely helped you thinking of you as a sister. And I was like, oh, I could have gotten raped. First of all, no, no. Okay, I'm going to cut in here for a few seconds. Absolutely fucking not. It is very easy for a dude to be like, oh, well, it probably would have been okay. But being a woman in the world, you know that you don't go anywhere at night by yourself where there's a potential that something could happen to you. At one o'clock in the fucking morning. I would have punched him in the throat and I would have called the cops. That's what I would have done. But I'm just saying, no, you don't risk being dropped off somewhere. And this guy threatening you with rape is disgusting. He's a fucking monster to even think of something so brutal. It's so disturbing to know that this is normal for some people and that they believe they can just get away with saying something like this. This is a threat and it's fucking unacceptable. It is not okay for anybody to talk to you like this 
ever. It was very R. Kelly, but not preying on little girls, but it was definitely like manipulation and controlling. Yeah, he seems like he was a controlling, manipulative, abusive, insecure, jealous asshole. Jealous freak. Oh, yeah. I would come home. Wait, 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 wait. So sorry to interrupt, but before you continue, I definitely want to hear what you have to say, but I think it's really important to get to the moment of what happened in the car. So he threatens you with a disgusting crime. You can't get out of the car. So what did you do? Okay, so I cried and I told him that there was nothing going on. And I told him that they were like a religious cult. I was trying to get out of it. Mm -hmm. And that they were making me see, you know, maybe God is trying to call me for something else. Oh, and I remember the reason that I dated him. Yes, he was getting better and everything, but I thought he was a punishment from God that I was supposed to be with him because of the way Danny and I ended and that I never took Danny back. And I thought this was my punishment from God with somebody like Terrell. Oh, man. Religion was really weighing heavy on me mm-hmm. at that time. I kind of carried for a couple of years. Yeah. And I started crying and he's like, why would God want you to leave me? And I was like, <laughs> like I don't know. I feel this darkness. I feel this sadness. <laughs> I know um, damn well why God wanted me to leave you. Because he knows but, you're a demon. Um, he's a fucking Satan. So he dropped me off at my car okay. that was at the Metro Rail station because I was going to go from my car back to my house. And he was like, you're not going to see this motherfucker anymore. You can't do Habitat for Humanity anymore. That's just some bullshit. Wow, and, this is abusive. That's um, so messed up. It was so messed horrible. Up. I mean, that's not even when it started. When it really started getting bad was when we actually moved in together. And that's when things started clicking. So after he does this Why did we move in? No, no, I know. Wait, wait. Because this is why we're here. It's called Dumb for Love. So after he does this to you and you get in your car and you go home, what went through your mind to make you want to continue with this person? I had nobody to tell. (sighs) Okay. I couldn't tell my family. They would kill him, but he had already separated me from telling my friends and family. Like somehow subconsciously, I didn't know I was doing this. I wasn't telling my friends anything. The only person I would tell was this one girl at work. And I wasn't going to tell her of this abusive stuff because I was a very strong woman. And I was like, shit, like that doesn't happen to me. Yeah. I mean, he made you feel ashamed. I think deep down you knew something was wrong, but you didn't know how to or really who to talk to because you felt fear and shame. Yeah. And I know a lot of people going through this don't break up because they're afraid or they feel worthless. Was that what it was for you? Or did you still feel like you were in love with him? I never really felt like I was in love with Terrell, but I really did think it was a punishment from God. Mm. Like I thought the things that were happening, I deserved them somehow, Mm. like for all the bad shit that I had done, because I wasn't really a great kid, but I thought it was definitely from all the bad shit that I had done that this was like a punishment from God. (laughs) I don't know. I really did. So that whole thing happens. Like what makes you decide to live together? The hurricane. Okay. Hurricane Andrew happened. We lost our house. Okay. We were living with my brother in a one bedroom and it's my brother, his girlfriend, my mom, my dad, my sister. It's a lot of people. So my job says I can set you up in an apartment in North Miami Beach. You and your sister can live there. And I was like, okay, great. So I move in. My sister doesn't really ever move in because my sister still hasn't moved out of our house. (laughs) So (laughs) I move in and his lease is up and his lease being up and my job after like three months of living there for free, they're like, listen, if you want to stay there, we'll pay for half of the rent. You pay for the other half. And Terrell's like, oh, I need a place to stay. Why don't we just move in together? And then like, you're paying even less. And I was like, okay. And we moved in together in a really pretty cool apartment. But that's when I started to see why would God put me through this? He wouldn't punish me in this way because then the abuse almost started turning physical. 
but I was smart enough to at least know if shit turns physical, this is not right. Because I've never seen my dad hit my mom. Yeah. And I feel like he's already abusing you by being verbally abusive. But now you're living together. So like what happens on the day to day to make it even more unbearable? It was just jealousy, insecurity. We would, He would be good for a week. And then the following week, we'd have a really big fight. And then he'd be good for a week. And the following week, we'd have a big fight. Like I would fight with him. And I thought like this was just normal. What kind of a fight? In the beginning, it was just arguing. Okay. And it would be like, you know, you hang out with your friends too much, blah, blah, blah. And I was like, I don't know what you want from me. Like, I'm here with you all the time. Then one day, like I got a really late call. But it was... Mm-hmm. And I was talking to him. There was something happening with his dad. Mm-hmm. And Terrell came home and he picked up the phone and he heard a guy's voice and then he hung up. And I heard the phone hang up and I was like, I got to go. And I hang up the phone and he was like, who the fuck was that? That was And he picks up his TV, throws it and he smashes it on the floor. He throws a fucking TV. And I'm like, uh-uh. And I was like, you're lucky. First of all, that was your TV and not my TV. <laughs> and I was like, man, you're going to clean that shit up because I'm not going to clean that shit up. Yeah, he's going to clean it. You being stupid, I'm allowed to talk to whoever I fuck I want. You didn't hear me saying all this when your ex-girlfriends would call. So was a part of you just still in denial? Were you just not scared at this point? At that time, no. Okay. No. Like, okay. I guess I was just tired of the fighting every week that I was like, this is like getting out of control. Mm-hmm. I need to like handle it and put it to an end. Like, that was a fight. Then he, I don't know what he got mad at or what he got jealous at, but now he's like six foot four, like 220 pounds. Like, he's a big guy. And he, do you remember the whiteouts that were in like the bottle with the brush? Yeah, yeah. So he takes that and he chucks it at the back of my head and it was like, oh my. And I was like, what the fuck? Look, this is going to lead to worse. You broke the TV and now you're throwing shit at me. The next part of your abuse is that you're going to beat me. Well, that's already hitting you. The moment that he threw anything. Right, that's at, already hitting me. Yeah, that's already fucking hitting you. Okay, so everybody out yes. there, if you're involved with somebody and they're throwing things at you, that is physical abuse. Let's just be clear. Absolutely. And that's right. This is just a worse and worse progression. So finally, like we broke up. Did you break up with him when he threw that bottle of white out or at another time? Another time. Something clicked and I was like, I don't love this guy. Mm-hmm. It was getting close. He brought up the time again. He was like, right. you know, we've been dating for like a year and a half. And I was like, holy shit, have I been in this mess for a year and a half? Oh. God does not want this. Nobody this wants this. God's plan. No. no. Nobody no. wants this. And I was like, every week we had a fight. Every other week, it was a really major ugly fight. And I was like, this is not for me. We broke up. I go to a heat game with a friend and I'm nervous because one of his ex-girlfriends worked something in the heat and she would give him tickets and he could go. So I'm like nervous. I'm looking around. We have really good seats and I'm like, just relax. Right. And it happened to be the guy who I wrote the letter to, the one that was like helping with God and preaching yeah. and stuff like that. It was kind of making me realize you're in a hole. This is not right. So sometime in the game as like we're not holding hands or anything like that i feel somebody smack the fuck out of me in the back of the head what my head goes down it pops back up my eyes are wide i still haven't turned around to see who it is i immediately know who it is i'm like oh shit terrell's here the preacher guy doesn't say doesn't do jack shit nobody around does or says anything I turn around and I'm like, I got to get out of here immediately. Like, I don't know what to do, uh, except uh, everything in me is like, get up, get out, run. So 
I pop up out of my chair. I still haven't even turned around to look. I turn to run up the stairs because I know he's right there. And like we catch eye glances and he has like this look of you motherfucking bitch. And I run out and he's behind me and he's like, who the fuck is that? And I'm like, I got to go. I'm leaving. I'm leaving. I got to go. And he's like, let's talk. And I'm like, no, no, we're not going to talk. I got to go. I'm leaving. Like my heart's racing really hard. I'm freaking out. I still freak out on this. And then like we pass the exit doors and he's like, let's just step outside. Let's just step outside. I'm like, no, no, no. He knows almost everybody who works there because of his ex-girlfriend. So he asked one of the usher people and he was like, hey, can we go outside? And she's like, you go outside. You're not going to be able to come back in. I can't let you back in. And I'm like, no, no, Carol, get away from me. Get away from me. And I'm walking and then we pass the doors. He grabs me and he pushes me outside and I tumble down the stairs. Oh my God. You don't know you're going to stop. In the movies, you're like, I'm going. That's fucking horrible. I pop back up and before the door can close, I sneak inside. This 350-pound guy comes up and Tara opens the door behind me and he stops me and I look up at him and he sees like, just like, I'm not right. I'm freaking and I'm scared. And he goes, you guys stepped outside the door. You can't come back in. And I give him a look like, oh my God, I'm going to die. I'm going to be outside with Carol. Like, I just fear for my life. I'm going to die. And he goes, you get out. He throws Terrell out. And I was like, I have my purse inside the arena and I have my friend there. Can I get my purse so we can leave? And he goes, yeah, you can get your purse and you guys are going to get out. I was like, okay. So I grabbed my purse. What about the fucking preacher guy that you were with? Like, what did you say to him? And I was like, I have to go. You find your own way home. Okay. And he's like, yeah, what's going on? What's, like, going on? what's going on? What's going on? I have to go. He didn't say much anything else, much dick. more of that. I don't really recall. So this fucking preacher, godly man didn't do shit. Nothing. Never came out behind me. Nothing. <sighs> he stayed in his seat. What a fucking coward. Yeah. Asshole. What a fucking coward. I never spoke to him again. He was the brother of the saxophonist from Real Big Fish. Mm-hmm. So, so now you have to leave. I have to leave and I have to go out there and I'm scared. And the guy goes, listen, I tried to come over here as fast as I could. I could see what was happening. Mm-hmm. I could see what was going to happen, what the buildup was. Yeah. And I'm like, I, I, I can't go out that way. And he's like, we're going to wait until halftime. I'm going to make sure he leaves and Jeez. I'm just going to seat you somewhere else. And you go out the other way, like call a cab. Why didn't like, anybody okay. call the fucking cops? He's hitting you in front of people. He's throwing you down fucking stairs. This guy clearly sees what the hell's going on. Why didn't he call the fucking cops? Yeah. Like, I don't understand. I don't know. This is a fucking crime, people. Like, why didn't he call the fucking cops? Why didn't he call the cops? I never even thought of that. Wow incredible people witness these things every day if it's dude sometimes they think oh it's just shit that's going down with his girlfriend no man listen nobody is anybody else's fucking property whether it's somebody's wife somebody's girlfriend somebody's fiance if somebody's putting hands on someone else you call the fucking cops that's it yeah that should have definitely been called you did not have the ability to call the cops yourself and they just left you there to get your fucking ass beat they should have either stepped in and helped you or called the cops for you and at times I wish you would have called the cops for yourself for sure. but I understand and know that you didn't even realize you were being abused. 
that this was an actual fucking crime. And I think that this is what happens to a lot of women out there. They're so used to it. And they think that because it's their spouse or their boyfriend, it's okay. It's not okay. The moment anybody lays hands on you, throws anything near you, throws anything at you, it's a fucking crime and you have to call the police. That's it. Yeah. And I say that with love. So. But now I'm kind of shocked. Why didn't anybody call a cop? Yeah, because people don't like to get involved and they love to pretend that they're blind to things. Like it's shit that you don't realize. Yeah, like I yeah. still really don't talk about Daryl. I mean, I really appreciate you sharing the story and I'm sure it's so difficult to relive such a traumatic experience. And I'm also sorry that you had to go through any of this and that no one came to your rescue or did anything about what was happening right there in front of them. Strangers didn't help you or even that so-called friend that you were with. He didn't do shit. Yeah, he didn't do fucking shit. It was such a hard thing. I mean, we all have a moral obligation to help those around us that need it. So remember your humanity, people, and step the fuck up. And so he comes up to you and he says, I saw everything that happened and I'm going to wait till he leaves. They let him back in. What? Yeah, they let him back in. The big guy, he walks away to talk to somebody, I guess, to put me in a different section so I could sneak out during halftime. And the girl who had said, if you walk out that door, you can't come back in. They were like, do you want us to let him in? And again, I go into some kind of numbness and shock and I'm visualizing what's going to happen if he comes in or if I have to go out there and I'm just looking at her not able to respond. She's like, I can let him back in. Don't worry about that guy. We'll just sneak him in right now. There's security I'm not getting an answer. in the arena. Yeah. Also, so let's say that nobody picks up the phone and calls the cops. All of these arenas have security. Why were they not notified the moment that anything took place? I think I was talking to like security because they were like the usher kind of people that, you know, make sure that you're sitting in your seats right. They come in and out. I mean, like they're not security security, but they are supposed to do something. Yeah. If they see something going on, they're supposed to alert security, but they did not. Well, they let him back in and snuck him back in. And I'm like clutching my purse like an old lady to my chest. And I'm like, I'm glad that you can laugh through this. This is terrible. This is horrible. It's so horrible. I don't know what to say. I don't know what to do. I am looking at his face like right in front of me and he's walking towards me. Yeah. Because yeah. that he gets and you I'm, by yourself, I'm you're fucked. I'm fucked. I'm imagining he's going to grab me and I'm going to go down those stairs again. And I remember looking at the steps saying, should I just run out or am I safer in here? And I'm looking at him and think, Fucking God, that guy came back around and he's like, get him out of here. Get him the fuck out of here. And wait, wait, wait. I'm sorry. So who came back around? The same guy that was like, hey, look, I saw what was happening. I couldn't stop it. Like the head of the ushers. The head of the ushers came. Because they would listen to him. Yeah. He came back around at that moment, thank God, because the arena's round. Like he had dipped around a corner probably to talk to something and then come back. And he goes, get him out of here. Get him the fuck out of here. And I'm in the same position, still not saying anything because I went into a shock. I can't turn my head now. And they throw him out and they're like, she didn't say anything. And I'm just still looking like, I don't know what to do. I don't know where Carol is. I can't turn my head. Okay. And he's like, listen, during halftime, everybody's going to come out. And then you guys go out the other side of the arena. I do remember I saw when he was like taking us to a different spot. I saw Carol, like he was like on the platform of one of them walking back and forth. So halftime happened. We sneak out, get to the car and I go home. I drop him off. I crashed the car that night because. Because you were in fear for your life. So you got into an accident. Fear, shock. Yeah, understandable. And 
I don't know if he came to my house that night or the night after and was knocking on the window. And I remember I just hid in the closet the whole night. Were you by yourself? No, my family was home, but it was really late. And I wasn't going to tell my family that he's out there because then they know that the fight had broken out, even though they knew that we had separated. Like we weren't together anymore. It really wasn't that long after that because I was still looking for clarity that he did that. Like it could have been a couple of weeks. Right. I don't know. It could have been days. So you didn't want to call the cops because you didn't want your family to find out how bad it had gotten. Right. At all. Like my dad would have killed him. Like when I finally told my brother a couple of years ago, I realized it was a mistake telling him because he was like, if I ever see that motherfucker, I'm going to kill him. I'm telling you right now, Yolanda, I'm going to kill him. And I was like, fuck, why did I tell him? Do you feel now telling the story, like as you look back, is there a bigger understanding of how much danger you were actually in? Like the true gravity of how dangerous this whole situation really was? He could have killed you at any moment. If they had not let you back in, if that door did not reopen, he could have done anything that he wanted to you. Right. What if when he showed up at your parents' house, he had had a gun? He could have shot everyone, killed everyone. And that is such a scary and sad thought to know that the shame and fear put on us by the abusers is so overwhelming that without meaning to, we could put ourselves and the people we love in harm's way. I didn't think of that. We don't need to be embarrassed because being embarrassed or humiliated or looking stupid is not more important than our own lives or the lives of the people around us. It's not. I knew I was in trouble and I remember why I broke up was the O.J. Simpson thing happened and I was like, that's going to be me. I'm going to die like that woman died. So I guess I did know because that's why I decided to break up. But none of my friends knew what was up wow. like they really didn't know what was up yeah and i think that's like a for you lot not to talk problem. about who you're dating yeah that's a guard that's something that you're self-guarding yourself and for you to have that realization that that could have been you is honestly a blessing there are so many people that are isolated and controlled by their partner or their lover that they have zero ability or access to reach out to anyone. So they feel that they have no choice but to stay in these situations where their lives are in danger. And because sometimes it's also hard to see or believe that the person that they love would hurt or abuse them. And in this abuse, they're made to believe that they're doing something wrong right. or that it's their fault. I knew it was in a bad relationship. I knew it was going to get worse, but nobody ever told me, hey, you're in a bad relationship. But again, they didn't know anything. I assumed they knew. It wasn't until after I broke up that my best friend was like, you never talked about him. I never knew anything about you and him. I didn't know that I was com- compart- compart- compartmentalizing it. Thank you yeah, so much. Yeah. My relationships to keep him away and your brain is so frazzled with the shit that you're dealing with every day, almost like every hour that work is safe. I'm okay there. When you're with that person, you're frazzled and you're walking on eggshells all the time. Like this is how manipulative this motherfucker was that he fucked some other girl at my job to find out about me. And then he tried to flirt with some other girl who I was friends with to find out what was I doing? Who was I talking to? Yeah, because he was an abusive person. That is fucking nuts. That is exactly what he was. So mm. what was the thing that finally made him stop coming around? Did he just stop? I did finally get to tell him. And that's when he realized, at least in my head, I, I saw him flashing back and realizing what the fuck he had done. After everything that had happened, 
Wait, I forgot where I was. I'm so... No, of course. It's called PTSD. I mean, you were abused. You should feel frazzled and scared and nervous and anxious and sick right now because... I see him now. I still get like this. It's a terrible story and you feared for your life. So where we were was he showed up at your house last. He's pounding on your windows. You don't want to tell anything to your family. So when did he stop coming around? He really didn't. I was working at the courthouse and he still came around. So the last time I heard or talked to him was... 2006. Wow. Thank God. He found out where I lived and he asked my neighbors, hey, does Yolanda live there? And I go, Yolanda lives there. And he goes, oh yeah, well, can you just give her my number? And like the next day or that night we come home and our neighbors are like, hey, some guy in a black pickup truck was looking for you. He asked if you lived there. And I immediately like turned cold and my husband looked at me. He's like, it's not going to be him. It's going to be because I would have another ex-boyfriend that would come and like, you know, look me up every now and then just to see how I was doing and tell me about his life. And I was like, oh, oh, right. And he's like, when you guys come over tonight, I'll give you the number. Give me the number. And it's terrible. And I was like, oh my God. And my husband's like, you know, don't worry about it. You're okay. You're safe. And I thought those were weird words for him to use. And I was like, of course I'm okay. Of course I'm safe. He can't do anything. But not until talking to you, I realized I still have this fear. Well, then I'm going to give you some advice. Either get a restraining order or the next time that he rolls around, just call the police. It is 2019 and this is fucking unacceptable, period. I think that for such a long time, people just thought that this was normal and that, oh, your boyfriend stalking you after you break up or him pushing you around a little, you know, that was just kind of a part of dating. No, it's not a part of fucking dating. Okay. It's not a part of growing up, a rite of passage. This is fucking bullshit. Okay. This is called abuse. This is violent behavior and this is not acceptable. And the bottom line is this, his name should be somewhere recorded so that if he ever rolls around you again, he goes to jail because every- Everything. Can you still do that even though it's been so many years? I mean, I don't know if you can still get one, but I say fucking try because this guy is showing up. He's acting like a stalker. You feel like your life is in danger whenever he's around you. So I say if he shows up one more time or even if he doesn't show up one more time, he showed up enough. Go find out. Go find out because you need to keep him away from you. This is not normal behavior. It hasn't been from the start. And if he shows up ever again, get a restraining order. Keep this guy away from you. 2006 wasn't that long ago. If you bump into this guy, if he finds out where you are, just report it and just keep him away from you. This is just the advice that I'm going to give. And I understand that everybody's situation is different, but I feel the moment anyone verbally, physically, or mentally abuses you, you need to try and find your way out. You cannot stay. They do not love you. This is not love. Because no matter what you've been told that you've done, Mm -hmm. no one deserves to be victimized or live a life of pain. For example, Chris Brown gets to walk around this earth like he did nothing wrong to anyone. And the fact that he almost killed Rihanna is just yesterday's hit song. I don't give a fuck how many fans you have or how famous you think you are. No one should be above the law. And the fact and truth is that that abusive fuck should be in jail. It sends the wrong message and aids in the fear of why women don't leave or come forward. And now for all of you women out there defending Chris Brown because you love his music, wake up and love yourself because someone should have told you that you deserve a better icon. Worship yourself and defend your queens. 
So this guy rolls around you again, do something about it. Get a restraining order. I don't think I've ever put the title abusive relationship. Like I never said I was in an abusive relationship. Well, like, you were. Yeah, right. I didn't dawn on it until like now. I would just said, yeah, I had one really bad relationship, but I never called it abusive. I mean, I'm and sorry. And this is coming from a guy who like had a pair of scissors in his hands and took him out and thank God he only used it on my hair. You guys break up and he cuts your hair. Can you please explain that to me? Because. I really wanted to understand what did he do? Were you sleeping? Like how did this take place? So it's after you know the whole heat thing and he's calling and he is trying to get me fired as well. He's calling up the second in charge. My boss was the first. He was calling up the second charge woman and he's like listen you need to call me back because I have information on Yolanda on why she should get fired and I can't tell her boss because her boss will cover it up for her. The woman tells me, because everybody knew we broke up, that there were certain things that he did and they were like, you know what, we're not going to let him on our floor. So they put a restraining order, a restraining order at least on my floor because they were smart enough. And so he was calling her and I was like, what a dick, he's trying to get me fired. He calls me and I'm like, I know what you're doing. You need to stop calling me. And he's like, you know, we've been together for like a year and a half and I can't believe you're just going to let it all go away. And he goes, let me just talk to you. I, I, I just have one thing to say. I, I will stop calling your job. I will stop doing this. I'll stop doing that. But you need to hear my story out because it's really not fair. What you're doing is really not fair. And he goes, meet me on the seventh floor. We work in the same building. He was on the fourth. I was on the 14th. And he goes, we'll just talk. And I was like, okay. I go downstairs, seventh floor, and we would meet in the stairwell. And then he's like, you know, I can't believe you're throwing this away. Um, and I was like, listen, once a week, we'd have a fight. Every other week, we'd have a big fight. You know, we don't have anything to discuss. Things are just not good. I haven't been happy for a while. And it's just time that we start. He's like, I can't believe you're doing this. You don't know how much I love you. He grabs me. He hugs me. I didn't feel his hands like leave, you know, the hugging position or stop touching me. He takes out a pair of scissors. I hear snip. And I'm like, something happened in my hair. And I back away from him and he has the scissors in his hands. And he goes, I'm doing this because I love you. Wait, so he's standing there with your hair and scissors. Yeah, the hair's on the floor. The scissors are like up. And he's like, I fucking love you. That's fucking psychotic. That's fucking psychotic. What did you do? I darted up seven flights of stairs without even panting. He didn't chase me or anything. All I know is I landed in front of like the receptionist that was there, the one who told me that he was trying to sleep with one of the girls to get information on me. It was her and my soon-to-be husband, but he was just a friend then. And I go, Carol cut my hair. How Carol much hair did he hair. cut off? A significant amount, a good four inches. Holy and shit. So- he was trying to make you look ugly for other people. I guess that was his mentality. I'm going to cut her fucking hair off so no other man's going to want her. My hair came out so nice. It was beautiful. It did not have the effect that he thought it was going to have. It looked really good. I can't even wrap my head around this fucking bullshit. He was psychotic. No, I'm going to tell you something right now. Like you are beautiful and you are telling the story. And I know that a lot of it you have to laugh off because if you don't, you're going to cry. It's a horrible fucking situation. But the bottom line is this. You are so lucky that all he did was cut your hair. And that's a fucking crime already by itself. Him cutting your hair is a fucking crime. Stalking you is a fucking crime. Laying hands on you is a fucking crime. This is horrible behavior and should never be 
accepted by anybody. And there are too many things that that we just let slide and that we just let go. And we teach our kids, oh, Janie, if he's mean to you, it's just because he likes you. No, if he's mean to you, he's a prick. That's probably going to grow up and beat you up. So stay away from little Johnny. Okay. Because real men will treat you with respect. We'll write you a fucking poem. We'll take you out on a date. We'll open the door for you. Let you go out while they watch the kids. That's a real man. Not somebody who pushes you down. Not somebody who hits you. Not someone who teases you, calls you a slut, a bitch, a whore or whatever to keep you in control. That is not love. This guy no. should be in jail. And anybody that's with this guy after this. Preach it, Jean. I needed you in my life then. <laughs> but who knows if uh, I would have been telling you the truth. Anyways, like, you want to know what, though? Else. Let me tell you something. If you and I were close, I would have seen it on your face and I would have made you tell me. I would have carried you on my back if I had to, to make you do something. Because I understand that there are people in this world that are just rightfully afraid by their situations and they have nobody to lift them up. Which is why he has the name Bonacy. Yeah, that's a perfect fucking name. What a bag of trash. Trash. Any woman out there that needs my help, you send me an email and I will help you out. I am not here for this. Women, men, nobody deserves to be abused for any reason. This is unacceptable. Every step of the way, this guy earned his title of fucking Spawn of Satan. I am so sorry that you had to go through any of that. What I want to end this with is what do you feel like you learned from it? Definitely to talk about it because like no one knew. They saw erratic behavior in me. They couldn't understand certain things that I would do. They couldn't understand why if he did just like one little thing wrong, why I would blow up and be so angry so quick because they didn't know the other history and the other things that may have happened that week or, you know, that just had happened between us. So they were looking at me like if I was unstable, but it's because they didn't know. And I wasn't saying what was going on. After that, like I say, everything that happened. (laughs) Which is great. Really like open up that communication. And one thing wrong, make a note of it. Yeah. If you think that there's something wrong, but you're not saying anything, have someone else look at it. Mm -hmm. It adds up on things that you're like, this is not cool. This is not cool. Absolutely. Because you're right. I knew I could have died. Three times I knew that I was definitely going to die and the fear had taken over. Like every time was more of a progression of just stopping me in my tracks and not being able to breathe. Like it was a blackout moment of what should you do and your brain's not working. People would rather die than be embarrassed. There's a study, okay? People would rather risk their life than look stupid. Because like you said, question it the first time. The first time is one time too many. There shouldn't be a second, a third, a fourth. The first time he throws that TV, the first time he punches a hole in the wall, the first time he throws something at you, Mm -hmm. the first time you are threatened, that is the beginning of bullshit and despair. Just understand that. So the first time right, and it's only going to progress to get worse and it doesn't matter if they're like, oh, baby, didn't mean to punch hold that wall. I love you so much. No, guess what? I have to go. It's not worth it. There's no apology. There's no reason. There's no anything that person could ever tell you that's going to excuse that behavior to not continue later. That means that they have no problem habitually crossing lines that should not be crossed. And if they could do it once, they're going to do it again. So talk to people tell your friends, know that your life is more valuable than somebody else's judgment. Whether they look down on you, whether they pity you, it doesn't matter. Deal with that later. Get the help first. Secondly, make sure that you are in a safe situation where you can reach out and get the help because there are a lot of people that are out there. They have nobody to talk to. Sometimes they can't even get out of the house. So it is never anybody's fault to be treated that way. And sometimes there really isn't a way out and you have to be brave enough to find one. 
Even though you didn't realize how truly violent your situation really was, you were brave enough to listen to that little voice in you. And even when you went through times of doubt, believing that maybe this was what God felt you deserved, something inside of you was brave enough to understand that you had to get out. And getting out is bravery. Yeah. I am super proud of you because that is a big deal. And I feel like I just went through a journey with you of realization. I didn't even know it was abusive until like you kept calling it back. (laughs) This is really going to help other people that are sitting there right now going, I didn't realize this was an abusive situation until I just heard this. So if we can help somebody right now who didn't see it and we just made them see it, then we just did a good thing. So if you're out there and you're hearing this and you realize that you're in an abusive relationship, at the end of the segment, we will provide information on how to get you the help that you need and get you to a safe place. Because sometimes talking to a stranger is easier. Oh, yeah. I am so sorry that you had to go through any of that. I'm like in shock a little bit, a little bit angry, Yeah. a little bit hurt for you. I want to hug you. I want to give you a kiss. I want to like lay with you and play with your hair for like an hour. But most of all, I want to tell you that, and I'm sure that you already know this, but I just want to say it. You're a beautiful human being and there's nothing that you've done ever that has made you deserve this. Just know that and keep that in your heart forever. And you know, I'm here for you to talk to no matter what. I love you and I appreciate your story. And I'm so thankful that you were brave enough to tell it. Thank you, Mom. I appreciate it. It was my pleasure. Talk to you soon. Thank you. For more information on where you can find help, the domestic violence website is thehotline.org. Their telephone number is 1-800-799-7233, 24 hours a day, seven days a week. And there's also a live chat if you are unable to use your phone. Also for your smartphone, voted as one of the two best apps for domestic violence prevention, the Aspire News app is a potentially life-saving app that allows victims of abuse to call for help at a touch of a button. The app contains summaries of news stories in the world, sports and entertainment news, to help disguise it on your phone. But always remember, if you are in immediate life-threatening danger, please call 911. All links and phone numbers will be provided on the Dumb for Love website. For today's episode, I'm honored to showcase music by a well-accomplished, independent singer-songwriter, Praise Jesus Artist, from Hawaii. Her music captivates and inspires, and when I heard the song, I knew I wanted it to be featured on this episode. Miss Artist comes from the well-known family of talented artists and musicians, the Ron Artist Family Band, voted number one family band in the world four times. This is Blue by Praise Jesus Artist. I'm not. Blue is but a mood I'm not sad I'm just not feeling good Don't feel bad Done all that I could I don't feel bad I'm just feeling blue Blue talk with you blue I've got a table just for two Don't need wine. The 
sips would take up time I don't need fame I've done with the masquerade Don't feel ashamed If needed I could pay That was Blue by the very talented Praise Jesus artist. Follow her music on iTunes and Spotify and follow her on SoundCloud at soundcloud.com slash praisejesus-artist. That concludes this episode of Dump for Love. Make sure to visit us on social media via at Dump for Love. That's D-U-M-B, the number four, L-O-V-E. Or visit our website, dumbforlove.com. You can find all of these links in the about section of this podcast and episodes on all platforms. If you're enjoying Dumb for Love, tell your friends, family members, ghosts, and coworkers about it. And don't forget to rate and subscribe on Apple Podcasts. Leave us a review. And if we love it, we'll read it on an upcoming episode. And our favorite one at the end of the season will get the honor of receiving Gene Morrison's world famous brookies, just like Pop Pop, aka Abuelito used to eat. This is Jean Morrison signing off and reminding you that we are never too smart to be dumb for love. 
for Love is a VEX Network production. Copyright 2019 by the VEX Group, LLC. All rights reserved. Executive producers, Gene Morrison and Diego Paul Sanchez. Production and editing by the VEX Group. Additional writers, Aja Reyes, Jamie, Cat Lady, and Gene Morrison. Music by the Hush Brothers. Cover art, the VEX Group. Special guest, Yolanda. Featured musical guest, Praise Jesus, artists. Our new segment today was sourced from Craigslist Missed Connections. All rights reserved. Check us out on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Dumb for Love. Don't forget to subscribe and leave a review on all the platforms. And if you enjoy our show, tell your friends and donate to our coffee page. That's ko-fi.com slash dumbforlove. For more information and all of these links, check out our website, dumbforlove.com. Dumb for Love.